0: Lent is a deathly, serious business. It's literally eternal life or eternal death that is on the line. Lent is not a joke. And the Lord underscores this in today's gospel with two very severe warnings, but then a parable of hope. Right? He goes straight at a tendency that we may have of thinking... I'm a good person, and so I deserve good things, and ultimately, you know, if I mess up here or there, God understands I'm fine. I don't have to actually think about my eternal salvation. That's the default position for me. Those other people, though, yeah, they got to watch out because, you know, God's justice is coming for them. Me, though, I'm fine. Well, the Lord goes straight at that. And he says, these people have suffered so greatly, these tragedies. Do you think those people were worse than you? Because they weren't. And he doesn't say that so that we can think terribly about ourselves, but so that we can think deeply about our conversion. He says that so that maybe we don't judge other people and say like, oh, yeah, yeah they're in their circumstances because of how bad they are me, I'm in my bad circumstances because of how unfair God is or because of how bad other people are. Instead of taking a good hard look at where do I need to repent so that I can live more in communion with the Lord who invites me into a relationship with himself. And so twice after showing these um, examples of people in these terrible situations, he turns the attention back onto us and he says, if you do not repent... You will all perish as they did. Now, that doesn't mean as they did, doesn't mean in some spectacular tragedy. No, far worse would be us dying peacefully in our beds, decades from now, in total comfort and total isolation from the Lord. Sometimes we think that a spectacular tragedy is the worst thing that could ever happen to us. No, the worst thing that could ever happen to us is for us to die in a state of separation from Jesus the worst possible thing that could ever happen to me is for me to spend this life rejecting Jesus and have him respect that choice for all of eternity afterward. And so we have Lent as our annual opportunity to rethink where we're headed, to be able to choose Jesus Christ where maybe over the course of the year we have chosen everything else but And so after these two stern warnings, the Lord comes to us with this beautiful parable. There once was a person who had a fig tree planted in his orchard. And when he came in search of fruit on it, but found none, he said to the gardener, For three years now I have come in search of fruit on this fig tree, but have found none. So cut it down. And here we might say, like, whoa, come on, this guy's being harsh. No, he isn't. We would do the same thing. If we planted a tree for the sake of figs, and after three years, there's no figs, we would cut it down too. Now, the Lord created us for communion with himself, right? He created us. I love there's this one African catechism. I don't know which country it's from, but I love it. It has the line in it. Why did God create us? And the answer is because he thought we would like it, (laughs) right? And I just think that's beautiful. God created us not because he needed us but because we were made for the enjoyment of communion with himself. He made us for the purpose of being able to share in his very life. That is the thing that we will like more than anything else is what he created us for. And yet if consistently we say that one purpose of my existence to eternally dwell with you in heaven, I'm rejecting, it would make all the sense in the world for him to just say like, I'm taking the breath of life out of this one. It's broken. But he doesn't. Even though that would make sense, our Lord is that gardener who says, Sir, leave it for this year also. And I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. It may bear fruit in the future. If not, you can cut it down. And that cutting down, that's going to happen for all of us at some point whether it's this week or 50 years from now. For some of the young ones here, they might see a whole hundred more years on this planet, but eventually their time is going to run out. And then the question will be, did I allow the Lord to cultivate the ground of my soul? Did I allow the stuff that happens in my life to become good fertilizer? to actually help my character to grow, to help me draw into deeper communion with Christ, who has given me a second chance, and a chance after that, and a chance after that, but not an infinity of chances, because someday my heart stops beating. Have I lived in communion with Him, or habitually rejected Him? That's the question of every Lent. It is truly a battle for our souls. It is truly a divine rescue mission where he comes to be able to save us from that most tragic end of eternally rejecting the love for which we were made. He's giving us this chance. And we read in the first reading how similar our situation is to that of the people of Israel. When the Lord saw Moses coming over to look at the bush more closely, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses! He answered, Here I am. That's our experience every Lent. Every Lent the Lord calls each and every one of us by name, knowing our full situation, knowing all of our struggles, all of our shortcomings, but also all of our hopes and desires. You know, the types of people that we wish that we were, And he calls us by name. He says, come a little closer. And we say on Ash Wednesday, here I am. We just repeated that by coming here. You all literally said, here I am, by coming to church today. You said to God, you know what? I am willing to come be in your presence. I'm willing to be convicted by you to change something in my life. I am willing to hear maybe that hard truth that I'm not living perfectly But also to receive that hope that you can cultivate the ground of my heart. You can fertilize it. You can make me bear fruit that maybe for my entire life up to this point I haven't been doing. But then God said something strange, right? What was his response when Moses said, Here I am? This is an open question, not a rhetorical one. What did Moses say? Or what did God say to Moses after he said, Here I am? Yeah, come no nearer. Now that seems a little rude. Like Moses came so far to to investigate this miraculous thing. God calls out to him. And then Moses says, here I am. And God says, come no nearer. Remove the sandals from your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. What does that mean? That means that just coming to church is not enough. Just saying to God, all right, here I am, is not enough. No, he wants us to also take off anything that is keeping us habitually from him. He calls us to conversion and the work of Lenten discipline. This battle for our souls is us taking off those sandals because we enter onto holy ground of the presence of God. How do we take off those sandals? What is it specifically that we do? Well, we read about it in the Collect Prayer. Beautiful prayer. We said, O oh God, author of every mercy and of all goodness, who in fasting, prayer, and almsgiving have shown us a remedy for sin, look graciously on this confession of our loneliness that we who are bowed down by our conscience may always be lifted up By your mercy. Fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. Those three pillars of a good Lent. That's how we take off our sandals. For we enter into the holy presence of God. Fasting. We take off our desire to only and ever please ourselves. To show, to treat as almighty our own desires, our passing whims. To be able to say no to ourselves so that we can finally experience the freedom of breaking that bondage to our own wills and saying, I can actually do what God created me to do. I don't have to be a slave to each moment's passing desire. Instead, I can taste that freedom of one who belongs more to God than to his own passing whims. Prayer. Prayer. This one most directly is us entering into God's presence. We take off the sandals sometimes of our own preoccupation with our schedule. We say, no, 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 every minute counts, and every minute has to be used for my stuff. And we don't give God even five minutes. He says, enter into my presence. Right? Make that sacrifice of saying, you know what? I have an appointment that I'm not going to miss. An appointment more important for me than an appointment with the doctor that's going to save my physical life. It's an, an appointment with the very physician of my soul. And so I enter into that sacred presence just as truly as Moses did every time I turn my heart to God in prayer. And then third, almsgiving. This takes off our sandals, taking off our attachment to things. Our security that we find in things, in a bank account, in having this money, in having uh, a, a little bit extra, just in case. All of that's fine. It's good to plan. Things are great. But they're not as great as God. And, and, and what God calls us to is not for everybody, sell all you have. Right? Franciscans, yeah, that's great. But for us, he says, internally sell all you have. In the sense of, don't be so connected to the things that you have that they trump the desperate needs of others that might need your generosity. We take off those sandals of our addiction to our own will, our addiction to our own stuff, our addiction to the time that we could be spending on prayer, but spend on other, time, on other things, so that this Lent we can enter into that sacred presence of Jesus Christ and hear him calling us into deeper conversion. It's a beautiful thing because it literally saves our eternal souls. And so it's absolutely worth every effort. Right? The Lord had said to Moses, I have witnessed the affliction of my people in Egypt and have heard their cry of complaint against their slave drivers. So I know well what they are suffering Therefore, I have come to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and lead them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And as he said that to Moses about the Israelites, he says that to you about your own life, about your own family. God is not blind to your difficulties. When you hear uh, the, the guy up in the pulpit say, you need to pray more, you need to fast more, you need to give alms. God knows exactly how that hits your soul, where you're like, give alms? I'm barely making ends meet. Pray more? I feel like I don't have three minutes to spare just for myself in my life. To fast? I don't know. Like, I don't see how that helps me. But God is saying, I see your doubts. I see your suffering. I see your difficulties. And I'm calling you to see your life as I see it, filled with potential. Filled with this invitation to live at a deeper level with true communion with the Lord. And so the Lord says to each of us, trust me with this. That these three, fasting, prayer, and almsgiving are truly the remedy for our sin. They are the ways that we take off our sandals and step into the sacred presence of the Lord. And so, as we enter into this third week of Lent, I don't know where you're at with your discipline. I know for mine, I've already failed in a few few different ways. It's been a big kind of bite of humble pie that I've realized, man, I, I wanted to be just so awesome at everything and just check off all the boxes and do it great. And I'm realizing I'm not that great at prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And right now we have that choice to either say like, I guess that's just me. Sorry, God. I guess next year I'll do better. Or we have the chance to say... You know what? I'm going to recommit myself to it. Because I want desperately to be in this, on the sacred ground of your holy presence. And so I'm going to recommit myself to prayer, fasting, and almsgiving for the whole rest of Lent. We might be thinking, though, but is there anybody who's really all that concerned about whether I do my Lent well or poorly? And God says, exactly as he said to Moses, I am. We might say, but I mean, is anybody ready to to help me with this? Is anybody powerful where I am weak? God says, I am. But does anybody love me? Is anybody prepared to love me even in the midst of my faults and failures? Is anybody strong enough to lift me up from my own weaknesses? And God says, I am. Is anybody capable of forgiving me for how I have already failed this Lent, this life? God says, I am. Is anyone able to be my hope in the midst of whatever darkness I'm going through, God says, I am. And when he asks us, are you ready to recommit yourself fully to this Lent? Are you ready to repent and to follow me? Are you ready to embrace the battle for your soul and to cooperate with my grace, to choose life with me for all eternity? I pray that we who were made in his image and likeness, can respond with a resounding, I am as well.